Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. I'm Adam Masters. It's great to have you here. Before we begin, a reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only. With that out of the way, here's Shane. Thanks, Adam, and good day, everyone. This week, we're going to talk about medium-term return potential for major asset classes. Now, this is quite relevant because as we go through these periods of volatility in investment markets, it's quite easy to get caught up in the day-to-day noise around markets. So it's quite useful to sort of step back a little bit and think about the medium-term return outlook, particularly given that as markets go down, it actually increases the return potential from those investments. So a bit of background. The start of this year has been painful for investors. We all know that with sharp falls in shares and bonds dragging most superannuation funds into negative returns for the last financial year. And yet despite this and rough patches in 2015, 2018 and early 2020 with pandemic lockdowns, median balance growth superannuation funds returned 8.4%, call it 8.5% roughly, over the last 10 years to June, which is not a bad outcome given that that was after fees and taxes and that the inflation rate has averaged about 2% over the last decade. However, it is worth bearing in mind that returns over the last few decades have been boosted by a search for yield. Basically, as interest rates collapsed on the back of falling inflation, this pushed down investment yields, bond yields, earnings yields on shares, rental yields on property, etc., and in the process pushed up the values of those assets. In fact, they're one and the same thing. Yield goes down, price goes up. But the sting in the tail, of course, is that ever lower yields on these investments meant an ever lower return potential for for when yields eventually stopped falling. The good news in recent share market falls and falls in other assets is that it's pushed up the potential medium-term return outlook for those assets albeit only by a bit, but still a significant bit. Now, one of the basic principles of investing is worth understanding, and that is that you've got two components to an investment return. You've got the underlying yield or the income flow, i.e. the rent or the, or the dividends or the interest, um, a bond or a bank deposit pays, and you've got capital growth. What gets confusing, though, is that the price of an asset moves inversely to its yield all other things being equal. The best way to explain this is via an example. Suppose an asset pays $5 a year in income and its price is $100. This means an income flow or yield of 5%, i.e. $5 divided by $100. If interest rates on bank deposits are cut from say 3% to 1%, this will likely encourage increased investor interest in the asset, i.e. investors will buy it up because it's still offering a pretty good yield. But in the process, that will push up the price of the asset, say to $120, which given the $5 annual income flow, means that that its yield will have fallen to 4.2%, i.e. $5 divided by $120. This is great for investors who are already in the asset as its value has gone up by 20%. But its yield is now pointing to lower potential returns going forward, i.e. 4.2%, which is down from 5% at the start of the whole process. Unless, of course, the yield continues to fall, further boosting capital growth. But of course, there's a limit to this. Yields can't keep falling forever. And it also works in reverse. 
as maybe we're now starting to realize with the surge in inflation over last year, which of course is pushing up interest rates, bond yields and yields on other assets. Now, of course, the plunge in investment yield since the early 1980s is well known. Back 40 years ago, we had very high inflation and as a result, investment yields were very high. The Reserve Bank's cash rate was around 14%. One year term deposit rates were nearly 14% as well. 10 year bond yields were around 13.5%. At one stage, they got above 15%. Commercial and residential property yields were around 8.9% and dividend yields on shares were around 6.5% in Australia and 5% globally. So very high yield environment. This meant that those investments were already providing very high income. So only modest capital growth was needed for growth assets to generate pretty good returns, which of course is what we've seen. And then with the shift from very high inflation in the early 1980s to very low inflation until recently, the last 40 years saw a collapse in yields. This was led initially by falling interest rates and then yields on other assets followed, pushing up the values of those assets consistent with the explanation that I provided a moment ago. As the yield went down, the values went up, providing pretty good returns for diversified investors over the last 30 or 40 years. Despite periodic setbacks like the 1987 share market crash, the tech wreck and the GFC. Of course, at the recent low point, I guess uh, particularly around the time of the worst of the pandemic, the Australian Reserve Bank's cash rate fell to 0.1%. Average bank one-year deposit rates fell to 0.25%. 10-year bond yields fell to 0.6% on a 10-year government bond yield. 40 years ago, that was around 14%. Gross residential property yields fell to 2.2%. Commercial property yields fell to 5%. Dividend yields fell to 4% for Australian shares or less. And for global shares, they fell to around 2%. So a very low yield environment as a result of that long-term decline in inflation and interest rates over the last 30 or 40 years. The problem, of course, was that with the cash rate and bond yields around zero, there wasn't really much scope for the yields to keep falling. This saw our assessment of nominal medium-term return projections for a balanced growth mix of assets, so that's a mix of shares and bonds, fall below 5% if you go back to the end of 2020, and it sort of stayed stuck around that level through much of last year. The good news now is that with yields on cash, bonds and shares having moved higher and asset prices moved in lower, their return potential has actually improved. So let's have a closer look at their medium term return potential. We have a basic framework to give a good guide to that return potential over time. It's not perfect, but it gives you a reasonably good guide. So I'll just quickly run through some of the major asset classes. For bonds, the best predictor of future medium term returns, and I'm talking here about say a five to 10 year return horizon, is current bond yields. This is quite logical. If you buy a 10 year bond yield, say with the current yield to maturity of around 3.3% in Australia, and you hold it to maturity, i.e. for 10 years, guess what the return will be? About 3.3%. In fact, it will be 3.3%. Of course, in the short term, if that yield declines, then you'll get some capital growth. And of course, if that yield rises, you'll get a capital loss, as we've seen over the last year or so. But over the 10 years as a whole, that return will be around 3.3%. In fact, precisely 3.3%. So that's the bottom line here. Now, the good news is that only uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, that bond yield had fallen to a low of 0.6%. So already the yield, the return potential from Australian government bonds 
and other bonds globally has improved dramatically from where it was just a couple of years ago. For equities, we find a good job in terms of predicting medium-term returns is arrived at by taking the current dividend yield and adding to that trend nominal GDP growth, which is a proxy for capital growth and obviously for earnings growth. Right now, the dividend yield on Australian shares is about 1% higher from where it was late last year. So already you've seen the return potential from shares has increased as share markets have fallen. For property, commercial property in this case, we use a mix of current rental yields and likely trend inflation as a proxy for rental and capital growth. Similar story for unlisted infrastructure. And in the case of the cash rate, that's one asset where you do have to do a bit of forecasting because the current cash rate is not a lot of value in assessing its medium term return potential. So we allow for our forecast for the cash rate for the medium term. Our latest return projections, when we run through all the major asset classes, that's equities, bonds, real estate investment trusts, um, commercial property, uh, unlisted infrastructure, and of course, cash and bonds, when you put them all together and weight them according to the typical mix in a balanced growth superannuation fund, you end up with a return potential now of just below 7%. And bear in mind, that's up from just below 5% at the end of 2020. So we have seen quite a substantial improvement in that medium term return potential. And the big driver, of course, so the fact there's a couple of drivers, one is we have revised up our inflation forecast somewhat because inflation outlook now looks like we've got more confidence that it's going to be around the 2 to 3% inflation target. Of course, I'll come on to the risk later if it keeps going higher. But if you go back a couple of years ago, Inflation had been stuck well below target for a long time, and consequently we were assuming a lower inflation rate over the medium term. So obviously that's one factor, but the big factor, of course, the significant factor is the rise in yields. The bond yield's gone up, the yield on shares has gone up, and that of course has boosted the return potential from the major asset classes and also from a diversified mix of assets. So there's a couple of points you can make about all of this. Obviously, the first one is that improvement in return potential. If I go back to, say, the low point at GFC, start of 2009, the return potential from a diversified mix of assets using that process I referred to earlier was over 10%. And as yields fell lower and lower and lower, as investment markets moved higher and higher and higher, that had fallen to a low point of 4.7% at the end of 2020, which it stabilised at through much of last year. Now, of course, that's rebounded to around 6.8%. So you could argue that's the silver lining to the cloud or rather the storm that has hit investment markets. Yes, lower share prices, lower bond prices, losses on investments, but that has increased the return potential from those investments going forward. Now, if I look at some of the individual asset classes, you'd have to say the return from bonds, you know, you're looking at bond yields around 3.5%. In historical context, that's still poor, but at least it's higher than it was a couple of years ago. If I look at shares, the yield on Australian shares sees them stack up pretty well. Potential returns once you allow for franking credits of around 10% over the next five to 10 years. But of course, if you're after capital growth, um, you could argue that Asian shares might also be a good bet um, to consider over the next, I shouldn't say bet, good investment to consider over the next five to 10 years. Of course, there is a bit of uncertainty around commercial property and infrastructure because those two asset classes on an unlisted basis lag movements in listed assets. They haven't really adjusted 
to the higher yield, higher inflation environment. So there could still be some downside to the valuations on those assets going forward as the yields are pushed higher. There's also a bit of uncertainty hanging over office and retail space demand given the impact, the full impact from working from home and increased online retail is yet to fully impact rents in those two asset classes. So a bit, a bit more uncertainty around commercial property and infrastructure perhaps than might normally be the case. Now, of course, what's the downside in all of this? I've, I pointed out that the return potential using the process we've been using for many, many years has improved as investment markets have fallen and yields have increased. The main downside, I think, is if inflation continues to rise. Now, we're assuming that inflation comes under control, goes back to around 2.5%. But obviously, if we go into a rerun of the 1970s, and it's worth having a look at my podcast from a couple of weeks back on this front, that would mean much higher yields. Bond yields, yields on, on shares and other assets, including property and infrastructure, would have to be pushed a lot higher, resulting in an ongoing reversal of the so-called search for yield that we've seen over the last few decades and obviously dragging on capital growth for those assets. So that's probably the biggest risk in this environment, i.e. yields get pushed a lot higher. Eventually that's good news for new investors, but obviously there is a capital loss along the way as those yields adjust up. So a bunch of implications for all of this. The first one is that bear markets are painful. We all know that. We've experienced that. Uh, they're also very hard to predict, but they do push up the medium term return potential from assets, including shares and bonds. And so they provide opportunities for investors. And of course, we have seen, as I pointed out, the return potential from a well diversified portfolio of investments has improved from below 5% at the end of 2020, now to just below 7%. Secondly, I think it's, it's important for investors to have reasonable return expectations. Now, if you're in a world of even 2.5% inflation, you get a 7% return or so from a diversified mix of assets, that's a pretty good outcome. You can't expect that in a world of, say, 2.5% inflation, assuming that's what we go back to, that uh, you're going to get uh, double-digit returns from investments on a sustained basis. Yes, you will get that in some years, but not on a medium-term basis. Uh, over an average so say five to ten years and finally I think it's very important to focus as always on assets that provide decent sustainable income flow as they provide confidence regarding future returns so I might leave it there obviously it has been a rough ride recently and that uncertainty around short-term share market moves remains high but at least the medium-term return potential from a whole range of assets has improved, particularly as yields on those assets have increased. So until we meet again, adios. Thank you. Now to stay up to date on all the latest from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series more broadly, be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. That way you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back soon, but before we go, a quick reminder that all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider seeking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions.